Hi everyone, this is Jean-Marc. I am the creator of DataMesh, uh, the founder of Next Data. We are reimagining what data sharing could look like. We are growing our team rapidly and we need you. If you're a distributed systems engineer, if you're a product manager or designer of a large-scale PaaS SaaS infrastructure, please check out our page at nextdata.com and look at our open roles. We'd love to hear from you. A written transcript of this episode is provided by Starburst. For more information, you can see the show notes. Welcome to Data Mesh Radio with your host, Scott Hurlman, sponsored by Starburst. This is Adrian Estala, VP and Field CDO at Starburst and host of Data Mesh TV. Starburst is the leading contributor to Trino, the open source project, and the Data Mesh for Dummies book that I co-wrote with Colleen Tarto and Andy Mont. To claim your free book, head over to starburst.io. Data Mesh Radio is provided as a free community resource by my company, Data Mesh Understanding. It is produced and hosted by me, Scott Herleman. This is going to be a panel because while I clearly am not shy about talking, I want to give others in the community a voice too. It definitely shouldn't only come from me. We should be hearing from many different people doing this. If you want to participate in a panel, please do get in touch. You can go to datameshunderstanding.com to see some of the other free community-friendly programs and the other learning resources we have. And you can check out our actually quite reasonably priced offerings. So let's hear some fun music and then jump into a quickish summary of what you'll hear about in this panel. Panel, the role of data product management in Data Mesh. Bottom line up front, what are you going to hear about and learn about in this episode? Guest host, Franny Helferouche, who's the technical product manager slash data product manager at RBC Global Asset Management and guest of episode 230, facilitated a discussion with Ala Hale, senior director uh, or senior data product manager of digital capabilities at Ecolab and guest of uh, episode 122, and Jill Maffeo, Senior Data Product Manager at Vista and guest of Episode 151. As per usual, all guests were only reflecting their own views. The topic for this panel was broadly data product management and the role of the data product manager in a data mesh implementation. Data product manager is still a very nascent role industry-wide, so there is still a lot of confusion around it. If I were to sum up the feeling of the conversation very succinctly, it would be, it's early days, have patience. And as usual, I wanted to share my takeaways rather than trying to reflect the nuance of the panelists' views individually. So let's get into my takeaways. Number one, the role of the data product manager is pretty wide-ranging. It's easy to get overwhelmed and not focus on what really matters. We have to be patient as we learn best practices around data product management because it's still a nascent space. Number two, it's crucial to focus on who the user of a data product will be, whether that is an intermediate user creating kind of a report 
for another person or someone directly consuming from the data product themselves. It's very easy to lose sight of what is the exact use case and usage and how will people you know, use that, that data product to consume actual information. Data for the sake of data is just expensive ones and zeros. Number three, there isn't even a common understanding of what a data product is. There's no standard definition industry-wide. You know, Jamak has tried to say, here are some things that mean that you have created a data product, but it's really hard to get your, your head around that, right? So data product management is even tougher to define than even a data product in many ways. It is still a very emerging practice, so everyone is still figuring it out. It's okay if things are a bit messy and muddled. They are for everyone else, too. Nobody's got this kind of on lock. Number four, because there isn't really a tangible user interface, you know, user experience is also a little bit confusing to a data product. It's really hard to get a good understanding of the boundaries of a data product. And in many orgs, those are different. What is the boundary of the data product? People don't have an experience with data products like they do with most types of products in the real world. You know, digital or physical you have experience with those products. You don't really with, uh, you know, with a data product. So you have to have some patience as people figure it out. Number five, there are a ton of learnings we can bring from physical and digital software product management to data products. Some things only need small tweaks to work well, but be prepared for lots of trial and error. So make more room for experimentation than you would in software. You know, a lot of people aren't making any room for experimentation around data products and data product management. Number six, what is a data product team or is there a data product team is a question every organization has to ask. And the answer for each organization probably evolves too. At first, you're figuring out how to build and manage data products and your platform is immature. You probably have a team in the domain that is specific to building a data product or a couple of data products. But eventually, for many data products and domains, there will likely simply be a data product developer that is part of the product team, or data product development will be kind of spread among the, the general team's developer duties, and it might be a few people that are involved in kind of data product uh, management and development uh, on the day-to-day basis. And product management there can get even more fuzzy. So again, this can be a real challenge. Um, One thing, again, that I keep wanting to point to is this is emerging just because you are saying, oh, we don't have it nailed down. No one does. I can't find a single person that has given me a really complete picture of what this will look like in three years we're finding, hey, here are some good practices that are working well now. That's about as good as, as we're at, and it's okay if you're in that same boat. Number seven, product marketing is a relatively foreign concept in data products, but it seems there needs to be far more interaction with existing and potential users of a data product to add value to existing use cases and create new use cases. As of now, that responsibility probably falls on the data product manager, unfortunately. And then finally, of my top you know, eight takeaways, number eight, the, the best path to developing a very valuable data product is that kind of consuming stakeholder and their engagement. If the consumer isn't engaged, they aren't giving the necessary information to really develop the data product to solve a use case Consumption seems to be below expectations across every org I'm seeing. This just keeps coming up. If you're not really 
that, you know, you want to make sure that you have reuse, but you need to customize it in such a way that they can use it as is, or you're just putting something on the shelf and hoping that people are going to consume from it. And for some reason, that's just not happening. Okay, with that summary of my top takeaways, and you can see the show notes for more takeaways if you'd like, but let's go ahead and actually hear from our awesome panelists themselves. Hello everyone, uh, my name is Franny Helfarish, I'm Data and Technical Product Manager at RBC Global Asset Management. Today I'm here with my lovely co-panelists Ella and Jill talking about data product management. I'm so excited for this discussion, so let's get it started. Let's start with a round of introduction, please. Uh, Jill, would you mind introducing yourself? Sure. So I am Jill. I came up from a data background. So I came up with analytics for maybe like eight or 10 years. Uh, and then I found my path in product management. So for a long time, I was specifically in the data product management space. Um, having been an analyst on different uh, product teams in the past, I kind of got a taste for it. And now I'm in a, in a place where uh, I'm actually transitioning to a team that has customer facing, you know, kind of... Um, technology-backed product uh, leanings, but still heavy on the data. So I'm, I'm working in kind of the internal site search space, um, which again requires both those data foundations and also like really strong components and, and vendor relationships. So um, I am interested in things like taxonomy uh, and things like um, data literacy, best practices, and bringing data from a democratization, democratization standpoint uh, to more people and getting them excited about it. So that's a little bit uh, about me and my background. Very interesting. Ella? Thanks so much. So hi, I'm Ala Hale. I uh, am a data product manager at Ecolab. And I come to this space with a very different background from Jill. I actually started my career uh, working in physical products, so doing new product development for polymers and photorefractive films, semiconductors, epoxies, things like that. Um, figured out that really all products have customers who have needs, right? And that's really where I focused my career. I very accidentally got dropped into the analytics space, found out that I, I loved it, uh, and now I lead our data analytics team. Awesome. Thanks for the introduction. Um, I came from actually product board to this role. I was software developer beginning my career. And then um, I moved to product. So I was not a stranger to data. I was not a stranger, of course, to product. But when I started this role, I realized that there are lots of unanswered questions in data product management. Um, I believe it's because we always had data. We always had product. Uh, the fact that we're looking at data as a product is relatively new. 
Um, and for people with a strong product background, the challenges may be even a little bit more apparent because as much as you can treat data as a product, you look at data through, and, and you want to look uh, at data through product lenses. There are differences in approach and there should be like adjustable approaches, um, which I'm very um, excited to talk to you about. So my first question is, um, what can we take from product management and apply to data product management? And what should we definitely not do that with? I had some thoughts about this one. Some things, you know, that that are similar and some things that I have found to be different. They may not be different for everyone, but um, coming from the e-commerce side, uh, which is my background, I think that there are some things across the more traditional product management spaces that it's safer to assume that people have experience with, right? So like I'm going into the internal site search space. I have used internal site search before on a variety of websites, right? I've used a cart before. Um, I know what a homepage is. Like there's there's some very, very basic level of understanding that people, you know, kind of come to, at least in, again, the e-commerce space from a product management perspective. Now, you still have to learn, you know, so much more on top of that. Um, but you can bring a little bit of your personal experience to it. I think because data is a little bit newer in this space, I think there's there's less assumptions that we can make about what people may know coming in on day one. Um, so there's possibly a little bit more need for that, again, as I mentioned before, like that data literacy piece. Um, and I think the other interesting thing here uh so that's a little bit more from like the product management side of like what we need for people to assume they know when they start in the space but i think from a consumer space as well it's a little bit different because i think it's also you know technology and the technology role in product management has been around quite some time and so i think people understand that like they need software engineers to launch experiences um, and they know that they probably need to go to a product management team to get those experience, you know, prioritized and launched. People can make decisions without data. Um, they've been doing it for a very long time. Um, and, and some people, you know, I've, have found difficulty making that adjustment and making that change. So, you know, it's, it's maybe, um, a little bit of a different model upfront, uh, where not only from a product management perspective and leadership, do you need to just like have a slightly different background, potentially, right? A slightly different concentration or interest, right? Even if you don't have that background, if you love it, right? Like, Allah, if you love it, then that's great. Um, but from the consumer side of it as well, there maybe is a little bit more um, influence that needs to be done there, a little bit of lowering barrier to entry that needs to be done there um, to bring people on to the value uh, of data. Jill, I, I want to piggyback on something you said there. You talked about uh, the, the users, really, of, of the data. And and for me, that's the number one thing that we need to take with us to the data space. And the number one thing that I see people forget often is the user, who's going to be using this data, consuming this data, and what decision are they going to be making with it? Does it enable them to make that decision? And Oftentimes, we get stuck in this trap of, oh, well, we just want more visibility. Well, great, visibility is lovely, but to what end? What is the action that we're driving with it? And for me, that's the number one 
piece that I like to get clear on with my teams before we start even developing anything is who's going to be using it and what are they going to be doing with it? What decision are they making with it? Yeah, I totally agree. Um, one of the things that I try to add usually into the mixture of um, you know, getting the data right, getting the def- definition of the data product that we have or, or even on the platform side is to um, like kind of force people to think in a design thinking way. Like, okay, who are your users? What are their pain points? What are their pains? What do they gain from this? So even maybe just put them visually on some kind of framework or board or some visualization for everyone to understand because step-by-step people get into the mindset. And I do see that from lots of lots of um, very, very strong data engineers or data architects, data scientists, they don't even think about design thinking usually because that was not um, something that they trained, you know, their 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 brain with or their, their you know, it's, it's a little bit of a flexing the muscles type of thing. Um, but at the same time, there are things that need lots of adjustment, like devi- defining, for example, the success metrics. It's so hard. I, I find it so hard to define because, okay, you can define the usage, you can track the usage, but that's not the value. That's not the output there. So there are other levels, like Ella was saying, okay, the one that are using this data, what are the decisions that they want to make with the data? What is, what does this have the impact? Is it ROI changing? Is it time changing, time saving, for example? And connecting those levels of um, metrics to each other is often so hard. So that's one of the challenging part for me. Um, or lots of design decision stuff that we usually do with traditional digital software product like A-B testing or or user testing. These are so hard with data. So there are lots of adjustment needs in that regard. I agree. Are they hard or are they just not done? They are hard. I, I believe you can do it, anything, but you just need to adjust it to data, right? So a-B testing was always, okay, choose between two designs, right? Um, and put it in front of the customer to see which one do you like better, which one is more intuitive. Now with the data, um, how do you want to do it? So maybe you just create two data products, put it in front of the consumers to see which one works better. Maybe you just um, create one and just explain about the other one like this is also possible i don't know like you need to adjust i never done that part um to be honest but um you need to adjust this um nothing is exactly one-on-one except for a little bit more generic definitions of product management the rest the detail is you just need to make it work that that was my experience so far uh, if if you had a, a comment to follow up on since you're less, I don't want to, um, I, I do, I have thought a lot about experimentation um, because, you know, as, as data professionals, like we often push product management to be experimenting all the time, um, you know, especially like things that are customer facing or things that have a lot of volume, you know, flowing through them, experiment at lower volumes, so like the higher volumes kind of, you know, make it so that you can, can really kind of, you know, move through those experimentation uh and really build a culture around that, I think. So from the data side, you know, what 
what should be experimented on? Like, are are we saying, you know, you have to do it, but we don't? Or is it like, there's just, you know, more customers or more of a need? Like, I, it is, it is kind of an interesting one for me. Um, I think there's always, you know, there's some data products that I think this, this matches much more fully with. Like, if you have a model, right? Um, you know, you need to be upgrading that, testing that, just that's a natural part of, you know, building out that model. If you have a Looker dashboard or a Tableau dashboard, um, you know, do you, do you prioritize experimenting on the views in front of someone or do you prioritize the next, the next increment, right, that they really want to see in that dashboard or is, or do you experiment that one view is better than the other? So yeah, I, I've definitely kind of struggled with that one. I think that's a little bit um, connected to the value piece. I think the industry has gone has gone pretty pretty far, pushed pretty far on the the need to value things and the the having the perspective of you know valuation. Um, I think there are different kind of classes of things. Like, you know, I don't. I think people are probably testing you know, what a sign-in page looks like. But I think we've, you know, gotten past the fact that, like, you need the ability to sign in. That's table stakes. Like, we don't need to necessarily experiment into that you need that. It's just kind of accepted. Um, When we get to data around, like, privacy, like, someone has opted into email or not opted into email, um, you know, that that is being compliant, right? So there are some data that you just need, right, that are table stakes. I think once you get past those table stakes, it does get a little bit interesting, right? Because like to your point about what decisions are it impacting, like can you value those decisions? Um, are there just some data products that you say, okay, if we're getting a challenge from the business, do you go dark? Um, you know, that's always kind of like the, maybe the the test of last result, but like that is, something that can be done um i don't know yeah you, you don't see me nodding my head vigorously on the <laughs> recording of course but yeah sometimes going dark and turning off a feed is is a great experiment and, and not, not one that i'll recommend as your first first experiment but occasionally you know it's the right call yeah and, and you may be surprised right like maybe you'll get some bandwidth back but um you know, it is called, you know, it's always in the back pocket, but I, I do believe that there are some, some data that is needed, just like there are some customer experiences that are needed. Like again, like that table stakes, like you have to be able to log in if you're, if you're a platform that relies on retention in, in any capacity. Um, and like you need privacy data if you want to be compliant, but yeah, above that, it's, uh, it's not straightforward for any, absolutely. It's not straightforward. Exactly. Okay. Um, let's talk about the data product team a little bit because it's also relevant to what we apply from product management and what we shouldn't. Um, I've seen some mature teams in terms of applying product concepts to data and those who are just started their journey. I've always felt that um, those mature teams always leverage the digital software product experience or even just product experience in general a lot more than the others. So what's your experience with your team topology, your organization structure? 
um, on the path towards maturity and also if the team is also aligned with product management concepts. For me, this one is interesting, right? Because we always talk about the three-legged stool, right? We talk about product, we talk about technology, we talk about UX, and we talk about that in serving a, a customer need or a business need. Um, I think we've also kind of carved out this space of data product management because this space is new, this space is developing. We need to, you know, have a community like this to help people that are kind of getting into this space and leading in this space. I think longer term, some of the cuts that I've seen in personal experience matter a little bit more in terms of like how you manage stakeholders and um, like the metrics that you you are looking at uh, are are less data versus technology and a little bit more back end versus front end. Um, so like if I'm in, you know, uh, this, you know, new site search team, that new site search team has, you know, a technology, uh, folks, it's got UX folks. It's hopefully going to have some data folks, right? Cause we may have a model that we're working on. We, any, and, and I will say this, any product management team that is developing an experience or a service is generating data. Um, and so they should have a better understanding. There should be four legs to that stool. Um, they should have a better understanding of data, just like point blank and the data that they are, you know, building and, and should be responsible for. I think that's kind of the end-to-end alignment of tech and data and the data mesh. Um, but that front-end team, right, like should hopefully have those people that are needed to solve that customer need. And I think increasingly that's going to be a mixed group. Um, you know, we aren't considered a data product team in that sense, but we are going to have data that we need to manage as a product. We're going to be producing data from site search, and we're also going to be, you know, consuming that information and making a model to make the customer experience better. When I think about a backend team, like when I was working a little bit more like in the, the straight up data product space, like working on data ingestion, um, you know, working on metadata curation, um, working on uh, strategic products, right, to help us better understand market positioning. You know, we were data analysts, data engineer. We had somebody who was really passionate about data science. Um, we didn't have a software engineer. We didn't have UX. That's not to say that we couldn't have used them. Um, like, there was at least one UI that I I wish my team could have built, but we we couldn't because we didn't have that skill set on the team. We managed. Um, we did Google Sheet ingestion instead, right? But I think increasingly, you know, new space, we need to be able to figure out, you know, what are the skill sets to succeed in this space. But I think increasingly as data becomes more of a part of the customer experience as well, I would love to see data just become a fourth part of the stool. I would love to see whatever customer need is most present in that product, in that moment, in that product's life cycle, it has a product manager that is either very design heavy, very data heavy, very traditional technology heavy. Um, again, I think we're still new. I think we still need a space for, for data and data product management to grow. Um, but I'd love to see it more as like a, a core capability. Um, maybe again, like a, a front end, back end split. Yeah, I, my experience has been that a lot of times the data teams are really reactionary, right? In past 
environments. You get a request from the business. I need to see X, Y, Z, and and we go and build the thing. And there's not been that product manager that's been putting together a roadmap and thinking about what are the next features, the next pieces that I'm going to build into this data product and how am I going to maintain it? Um, and I think that that's where we're seeing the turnaround now is now we're starting to be more proactive about what data products we can um, put out into the business. And we're listening closer. And instead of just building to each request, we're really probing and trying to understand what are we trying to unlock? What are the opportunities that are going to become unveiled um, when we build those new features? Yeah. And I think from the beginning of time, there's been the analytics request of like, can you pull me a list? Right. And I think we turn that from like, you know, a normal list that someone's just asking for to a use case to a data product team. And the data product team is maybe pulling the list. But yeah, if we make that transition from like the feature mindset, the feature team to the empower team, is it I'm going to build you something instead so you can pull the list. Right. And like that's a really important um, mindset shift. Yeah. And even deeper than that, why that list? Right. Yeah, exactly. Is yeah. that really the list you like? It's like Star Wars. Is this the list you're looking for? Like, you know, but what, what, what will this list unlock for you? I don't, I don't know if y'all listen, or you, but that's the phrase I always go to. It's like, what are we unlocking here for people? Yeah. Yeah. We need product people to ask tons of tons of whys when you get a request. Um, I always, I was very interesting, Jill, about the fourth pillar. Um, adding the data to the mixture. I was taught that uh, we remove the UX and um, instead of that UX, we'll just add data user experience to that mixture and then let the um, self-serve platform team handle everything UI, UX, BI, anything that has a face, anything that has a tangible product for everyone just to interact with, right? Because that's supposed to be a self-serve at the end of the day for everyone so they can get what they need uh, with a little, just no to a little help of the engineers. And then the engineers just focusing on data user experience instead of just dealing with charts and dashboards or anything around those lines, right? And that works well if that implements, you know, a little bit more thought through and then you think about it before you just start, you know, having yourself a platform. But I've seen that is working very well. Now let the data team consisting on data engineers, architects, data scientists, and then data product manager just focusing on, okay, what type of data product I need to deliver to the consumers. Um, on the other hand, there are, in my view, documentation are very important for the consumers because you really need to tell them why you have this data product how it's working, what is the lineage, what is the metadata, anything related to, to that data product, um, how to get access, who are the owners, who are the stewards, like anything related to that document that's somewhere, like preferably on a platform, not just on Confluence, for example, um, which I'm not quite sure who should own that documentation. Is it on the data product team or is it just on a self-serve team or is it just a separate team? doing like, for example, discovery platform and just handling all the documentation. Um, that I don't know yet, but but that that's how it divided in my mind and how, how I had experience with. I think the UX piece is interesting 
does every team, does every data product team need, you know, a UX person? No. Um, I think if there's a UX person available, um, that could really assist from a storytelling mindset, from a literacy mindset, from a lowering the barrier to entry, really kind of like just supercharging these teams to to your point, Freddie, that maybe um, haven't had the exposure and the experience of building something that like we want people to widely adopt and want people to widely use that don't have maybe the same technical background as we do. Like, I, I do think that maybe we've um, overlooked them as a potential ally uh, in our space, but I agree with you. I think it would be maybe odd if if all data product teams just like had a UX person hanging on, be like the table should look like this. Um, on the on the other side of UX, and this other piece that sometimes we we don't always talk about um, is the like a a researcher, like someone who's actually maybe partnering with a PM um, who maybe is a little bit newer, isn't as strong, and like actually understanding, you know, where your industry is going or where a specific like area of an experience is going um i know that in in my space in particular because we were working a little bit more on data products focused in the market like are we you know working in categories overall that are growing or shrinking like we worked with um a customer and competitive research team often to understand their perspectives on market sizing and like really kind of again like supercharging the insight that we were able to give to the business. Like we had another team that was writing up um, kind of a, a narrative on some full funnel testing we had done. And they were leveraging a bunch of data products, including like some of our share of search products, some of our market demand products, but then also like working with some of the researchers on um, uh, awareness. Right. And like, that's some of the stuff that like maybe you can't get in a traditional data product, but you can get in like research and like, I started to think more and more like, why isn't that team another data product team? <laughs> like, why why are they just kind of on on their own? And, and I would love to be interoperable with more of their products and democratize that further into the into the business. But I think data at this point can probably like take all the allies we can get. Um, and if there are especially teams that are accustomed to playing that role, like being the storyteller and like taking research and getting it deeper into the business. Like I would, I would love to partner with them more. Oh yeah. Can they create more? I, I love the idea of packaging research as a data product. Right. But yeah, it's so cool. Yeah. That's very interesting. Or packaging data products around solving a business problem. Like we've talked about that a little bit internally. Like, like if you had the question, um, what are the growth opportunities? Right. Like right now, to navigate that, like you may need to go to um, the omni-channel team, you know, to understand some of like the the market demand and share of search pieces. You may need to go to you know our, our competitive research team to understand market sizing. You may need to go to our promotions team to understand how aggressive we are in specific markets, how aggressive our competitors are in certain markets. So, and then like you know our our attribution, our our return on ad spend, like you know, what is feasible, what is a good market opportunity. And so like actually trying to stitch some of these things together, I like lowers the barrier to entry because what we're essentially doing is pulling together the components of a user flow, right? Which is very similar to what you see on a website, right? Like this is a very common journey that someone is taking across a variety of data products. 
can we actually build a flow or build a place for these people to go or even a product to simplify that flow? So again, very similar to um, you know customer journey mapping, but cross-domain. Um, can we do that in data products? Um, what about the data product manager role itself? Shouldn't they be the main storyteller? I think they should for their products. I think that there probably also has to be a little bit of top-down support um, on that. Oh, I see you nodding. I don't want to. No, I, I I think that they need to be selling their products, right? And and this is a difficulty, really. Because when you just have a product, you've got a sales team that's out there selling it, right? You've got a customer success team that's out there helping people with with the product. But when you talk about data products internally, the product manager assumes a lot of that, right? A lot of that um, going out and telling people about it, selling it. And then when people have issues with it, even doing some of that frontline troubleshooting sometimes falls to the product data product manager. Um, and, and that's a lot to put on a single person. Oh, yeah. So I'm wondering, like, have you seen that? W- what do you do to get around that? I did see lots of um, data product managers that they do solutionizing, managing the team on a day-to-day basis, like questions, everything, troubleshooting, and then they have no time talking to the customers or consumers or do the product discovery, right? So, and and they on, on top of that, they have to sell their um, data products, they have to demo that and then, you know, just, just talk to the business about what, what are the outcomes of this data product as well. So I've seen lots of, um, challenges like this, especially recently. Um, and also, um, what are the other challenges I just wanted to mention before I forget, uh, in that role is that there are people from product word that had a little bit limited knowledge in data and then people from data word into this role with limited product knowledge so that knowledge gap is always for them to fill like they really need to catch up with the other side if they are lacking a little bit so that learning curve as well you know adds lots of challenges to this process yeah i agree we've definitely seen both flavors of of those bms at uh, my company like I am coming from, you know, data and and data management analytics and analytics people management, analytics team management, and then had to learn product. I had some early exposure to product, you know, as an analyst in a, in a couple different squads when I was growing up in the analytics space. But, you know, putting on that different hat was absolutely a learning curve. And then I've seen some people who are, to your point, like traditional product coming into the data space and really having to, you know, pick up on the the cues on effort, right? Like, you know, for some of the things that the team is telling them about or, um, you know, really kind of develop that belief in the value of the product when it is traditionally potentially a little bit harder, a little bit more abstract to convince the business about. Um, yeah, like, I, I think this is where, like, I I go and I'd like to see, you know, a more deliberate matching of product management capabilities with like core strengths um, across teams that either require a deeper data background or a deeper like design background. Because yeah, it can be, it can be 
challenging to overcome both of those hurdles. Um, but at least if I'm coming from a data space and then having to learn the product management responsibilities in the interim, I can speak data speak with my team. And they're like, I think I get you. And I think you get me. You just need to work on, you know, prioritization or influence or. And those are things that, you know, as I grow my career, I needed to learn anyways. And I was, mm-hmm. I was learning as I was going. Yeah, exactly. Who do you think they should report to? Jill looks like she has really strong opinions here. I wasn't here. <laughs> well, so I, I will say this with a, a bit of a caveat. Like my my company is is trying to figure this out like as we speak, right? Like we are we just introduced a chief product officer. Um, we introduced our first chief data officer like three years ago. Um, that person brought, you know, data mesh thinking kind of into the business, developed kind of some data product management uh teams. And at the time, again, we we didn't really have like a, a central product organization. So we had PMs in the data side and in what we called kind of commerce. And then we had, you know, PMs in, uh, sorry, in the website side. And then uh, we had PMs in the data side, which we called like DNA, data and analytics. And um, some of the things that we found were that, you know, when you had a data product team that was supporting, you know, a, maybe a commerce team, right? Like you, would, they were building the model that would, you know, be um, that was showing product recommendations, right? And then they had to work with the PM on the website side on like where those product recommendation, recommendations were going and like the user experience. And we found that sometimes it was um, a very good pairing, uh, and sometimes just by virtue of other responsibilities that the teams had, it became kind of increasingly difficult to um, prioritize things in a way that, you know, helped us actually get stuff live, helped us get stuff, you know, on the site or, you know, kind of worked well together. So like it was a little bit of a, it was a toss up, right? Like depending on how well your teams work together, um, how well your scope meshed. And so we've now said, for the majority um, of product managers, they're going to now report into the central, you know, product space. Um, but I think there there's still this question that uh, is a little bit un- unanswered in our current organization, which may be forthcoming. So I don't know yet around the split between kind of like customer facing and back end, like this front end back end split. And like, do you maintain some data product management? maybe even not data product management, but like data and or platform product management in a tech and data organization reporting into a CDO or a CTO. And those teams are responsible for like accelerating and empowering, you know, the the folks that are are delivering on customer facing stuff. And like those people report to the CPO. So we're in this space of like, you know, do you have a front end back end split? If you do, is it CTO and CPO? Or do you have everything under product management and however the teams are supporting each other and however they are staffed, right, is just guidance given by like a CTO or a CDO. So we're kind of in this space. It's live and happening, uh, which is why I was interested to see uh, if you guys have points of view. Joel, I I feel like everyone's doing this right now, right? And everyone's in it uh, for sure. And I have a couple of thoughts here coming from, you know, a company that's not digitally native, right? We've got lots and lots of functions that do use data to make decisions. And 
you know, in my mind, in a fully mature state, I would love to see the data product managers report to the functions, right? Where they belong, where they're developing their data products. Um, but I also spent quite a bit of time as a uh, as a design for Six Sigma Black Belt back when Lean Six Sigma was a thing, right? Um, and one thing that I saw in Six Sigma deployments that I thought was really fascinating was the way that they had Black Belts or project leaders assigned within teams, right? So when the deployments were immature, new, they would report up through the centralized Six Sigma deployment, you know, leader model. And as they became more and more mature, then the Black Belts would start getting deployed and start reporting up through the functions they were supporting. I can imagine a future where we do similar things with data product managers, right? Where we start with a centralized team as we're developing the skills within the organization, the organizational knowledge. And then as it becomes more and more mature, we start deploying it more towards those functions. I think the benefit of them reporting to technology or um, data-related higher management is that they can be more focused on data needs and values. And the benefit of them reporting to just product, head of product, CPO, is that they can um, make sure that everyone approached the data product as a product, like applying all of those um, product concepts to everything. Um, but the first is usually easier because they are in that tech space anyways, like they are handling all the engineers, you know, all the team squads, um, data itself. Um, so it's a little, lot easier if they sort of stay on the technology side, like you said, Jill, and then leave them uh, customer-facing or client-facing applications or, or products to, um, to the CPO and the product team. I think maybe it's also a question of now each of these functions should be marching towards, you know, a similar North Star solving the same customer problems. But I think if you think about what what team's strategy do you want the PMs to hold most close or to work towards most, right? It's like maybe that's the area where they should be right like if if you have a product organization that is like really focused on you know solving uh, for specific needs and your team aligns to solving those needs like and and all you, you mentioned this a little bit in terms of like you know not necessarily cpo cdo but like you know functionally native but you know do you actually align up through the leader who is building strategy around the things that you're building or like is that like a, a way to also think about it like like if the cto and cdo are super super you know in on security and privacy right like that that strategy should influence all teams but if you're building stuff around that and if like your primary goal is enabling that like it feels like that's a leader that you're just more naturally aligned to whereas like you know if you're if you're building a a product recommendation model, right? That that has to be customer facing and like is solving a specific customer need. Should you actually be in the product space? Because maybe they have more in common with, you know, how you see your team mandate coming to come into life. I don't know. Oh yeah, for sure. That it's it's challenging if you're one of the few product thinking in the tech aside. So you have to you know, make sure everyone understands exactly what you're talking about. Um, speaking of strategy, 
um, do you think data product manager owns the data strategy? And before answering that, what is data strategy to you? I do have thoughts. Uh, <laughs> I there's I feel like there's been a lot of discussions on LinkedIn recently, actually, about like what is strategy, and like it feels like everybody has these really great analogies for it, and it's like because traditionally product manager owns product strategy, right? So ideally they should. If they don't, that that's something you know fundamentally wrong, but. They should own the product strategy, but it's not usually the case in data. I want to know your insight on this. I mean, I think for me, when I think about data strategy, also like when I was talking about leadership and who owns the certain strategies and leadership, like I think, I think it would be nice for like, you know, CDOs to have a perspective on data strategy also that like their teams, you know, can work towards and, and deliver against. I think for me, it's a little bit about you know, what data do we have and understanding like, what is the quality of that? Um, you know, how is it being used today? Like, you know, so what data do we have? I think the biggest part is how do we want to use that? Um, so like, how do we actually want to turn that data into value? Now, again, value being very questionable in terms of how we measure it, but like, you know, um, whether that is what products do we need, whether that is, um, you know, how to bring data to more people? Like, do you actually have a strategy around literacy? Um, then there is the, you know, the the nuts and bolts stuff, which is, um, you know, what are the um, ways in which we need to be compliant, right? So like you, you need to have a perspective on that from a data, from a data side. There's technology, like, you know, what, what technology do you want to have from a strategy perspective? Like, how do you want to operate? Do you want to be CICD? Do you want to work in the cloud? Like, whatever that is. So these are all pieces to it, right? And I think the the really nice additional piece, uh, which I don't know if anybody, you know, sometimes gets the the bandwidth or the headspace to get to, to our point about, like, you know, these the data product managers having to play a lot of roles and maybe not having as much space built into the role to kind of take a breath and be able to think about these things as often as we would like. Like, what data do we want? Um, you know, like, you know, what is table stakes that we have or don't have? What are some really key use cases that we can fulfill or not fulfill? Um, a long time ago, I read an article from a, a Facebook developer. And I mean, obviously, Facebook being Facebook, like they're very data first, very data focused. And they said that they'd actually gotten to the point where instead of building things and then understanding the data that comes from those things, they got to a place where they were asking questions in product management around what data do we want to know about people and what do we need to build to get that data? Like, we're not all Facebook, right? Like, we don't all need to be learning everything about our customers, but having the space to live in that mindset every once in a while, from a data strategy perspective, I think that that's a really cool space. Yeah, I mean, Jill, I, I love that. I, you know, I work at a company that's as far from Facebook as you can get, right? Like we make chemical products so, and I sit in the supply chain function, right? Uh, but we've got a ton of data that's coming out. So the for me, data strategy is really around who's using it, what decisions are they making with it now? Once I know what decisions they may, are making with it or they want to be making with it, I can start thinking about what data do I need to supply or serve up in order to make those decisions. So we do, I, I think it's really important to answer those same exact questions, whether you're Facebook or not, right? 
what decision am I trying to make? And then go find the data, right? Otherwise, you're looking for your keys underneath the lamppost when you lost them in the forest far, far away, right? You got to figure out where you're supposed to be looking and then build your lamppost there. If that makes sense. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that's that's what I usually call the discovery, not not the the discovery that it's like a data discovery a term in data world, not just the product discovery, like discover of the opportunities, discover of the pain points, discover what what you need to build next, uh, which should be continuous, like which should have like should have ideally weekly touch base with all your consumers or at least domain based consumers. Um, or twice a week or monthly, like to, to, to the minimum, right? To get how they're using the data, what are their pain points, how can you help, and then bring back those information to the team, um, trying to solutionizing, okay, how can I help it better a little bit? Or how can I make sure that um, the next thing that I'm building, like as a data product, it really brings value. Um, so that discovery is very important. Back to data strategy, I always thought that data strategy had lots of other, like other than okay, how you how you package your data, how you build your data products, um, had lots of decisions on the technology side, like you said, Jill as well, right? Um, a process, uh, even teams, rules, all of those stuff that is not usually up to the data product manager to decide on those it goes a little bit higher true like we've i think in our teams we've been able to determine some of our technology but certainly not all so like you know we we decided at one point and i say we very graciously like my lead my lead data engineer who's who's phenomenal right like he did a lot of research and you know decided on what data ingestion vendor you know we wanted to use because that was key and core to like what we were delivering you know but i think the, the decision to use Looker and Snowflake were absolutely made at a higher level than my team. Um, so like, yeah, I, I've definitely seen, you know, a little bit of a little bit of both there. Um, one of the one of the last pieces I'll say about like data strategy and also for any to your points about like, you know, knowing what you need to build. Personalization is like really hot in the market right now. Right. Um, and one of the ways that I've seen it fall down uh you know, just reading articles and in, in my own experience is, you know, we can only make someone's journey to be differentiated if the data that we capture about what they've done is differentiated, right? Like if if we say 100,000 people open an email or clicked an email, like, great. Like the next thing that we can say about these people is based on the fact that like they all click this email. But like if you actually want to get deeper than that and you want to personalize more than that, like you need to know what they clicked on. And when I say what they clicked on, like not only like the asset, but what the asset was about. Right. So like it needs to be tagged, it needs to be standard, there needs to be taxonomy. So like we can say from a strategy perspective, like personalization is important. We want to be personalized. We want to be relevant, et cetera. But if we don't implement the tracking pieces and if we don't under have a good understanding of like what data we need to know about customers to spit out a valuable, relevant recommendation, then, I, you know, I think a lot of it falls down. Um, so, yeah, I think that is a, an example of data strategy where like if you don't 
think through those parts of it, then you're going to find moving forward um, difficult. Yeah, but um, at the same time, I do think there are certain things that a data product manager should own. Um, and that's a subset of this data strategy. So there are um, anything that you're building, like the your data products strategy, that's your ownership. Um, also, um, I was also curious to know, how do you define when to stop adding features to data when you think, okay, that's mature, that's a stable, I leave it alone. And on, on the other hand, when you start it like iterationally adding features to your data product. I haven't gotten to a mature data product yet. So I, I will withhold my answer uh, because I think we're always iterating, right? Our data products, the, the questions that the business is asking are always changing. Yes, I think, um, I feel like I've I've gotten a couple products close, but I think in those cases, we've either had extremely strong partner relationships, right? So there's a very clear understanding of like what the needs were to be met. Um, and I, I think when we've gotten to that stable place, I guess it's been one of two cases. So like either the the business case is is very straightforward and you know you may have a few you know optimizations as you move forward as the business moves or changes and you have to react to those things but like the the product is still helping people make proactive decisions and stuff like that so like a very very specific you know use case a very specific thing that you can kind of tie off like that's one case i think the other case is where you know we've built something that we really believe in that we feel you know um will solve a lot of critical problems and is at the point in its maturity that it could could start to solve those critical problems, but the adoption isn't there. So we're actually not iterating necessarily on the product itself. I think we're iterating in, you know, the phase that we are in in the product in terms of um, adoption, influence. So it's like the the product has been stable, but like the work shifts, right? The the work shifts from being internal work to external work. Um, How do you gain adoption? How do you release it to different set of peoples? Uh, the the luck that that we've had um, for us has revolved around uh, early adopters. Um, early adopters, uh, influencing leaders, kind of like getting some people on your side, really good storytelling. Um, so like if we can, again, lower those barriers to entry on like, these are the questions this answers. Here's a recording of us answering this question. Here is a link to like every single view that we showed of the data product answering this question that then you can go manipulate. Then we're going to have office hours. Then we're going to have Slack channels that are open. I think it's like early adopters, influential partners, um, support uh, early and often. Um, but we're still, we still have a ways to go, right? So that's it's, it's not like it's a recipe for success, but it is a it is a good place to start. I'm just curious, how do you gain feedback or satisfaction? Like, is it survey? Like, what is your approach? We've done surveys um, a little bit on like product value and, and stuff like that. That's been run by... Um, like our, our governance group. 
Um, I think it's also like individual stakeholder feedback, uh, how chatty our Slack rooms are. <laughs> um, but that's kind of just, you know, some of our products. So, yeah, what you were saying. Uh, yeah, I was just going to jump on to what Joe was saying, right? It's that sales and customer success piece that you're doing, right? Once you have a product, you got to go out there and sell it. You got to have those office hours. You know, we use Teams on Slack, but it's the same concept, right? You've got a place for folks to come back and talk about it uh, and share their experience. And we've had office hours where we have um, two data users come in and talk about and teach each other how they've used the data products. And that's when I, you know, call success when now the data products are growing on its own. Yeah. And I think it is like that, you know, I spoke to the the full funnel kind of narrative. Um, you know, I encourage our data product analyst. I was like, hey, like we have data that would be pretty great for this. Like, let me connect you to the embedded analyst who's like writing it up and and actually like finding, you know, you have to, you have to really kind of find those places. Um to shine. Um, and sometimes they come to you, but more likely you go to them with a value proposition. Okay. Awesome insights from both of you. Um, does anyone have anything that you want to wrap up with? I want to, I want to make a plug for the users of the data. Always. That's where my head goes all the time is, you know, you can release all the data in the world, but if no one's using it to make decisions, what's the point? So for me, you know, start with the users, end with the users, figure out what they're doing with it and what decisions they're making. I think a little bit on top of that, use your own data products. Because um, I think we've also like found that some of the best feedback uh, can be when we try to answer questions people ask of us in our in our own products. And we're like, oh, man, it would be really great if and we know what's possible. So it's easier for us to also then say, like, this should connect with this. This should work with this. Um so yeah, make sure to every once in a while have a taste of your own medicine because it's not like you're releasing something onto the site and like a, a million customers are seeing it. Like sometimes you have to iterate yourself and and be your own best customer. Great. Thank you. Echoing what Alice said, um, adding product mindset to every aspect of development lifecycle, starting from the users, ending from the users. So that's the key. Thank you both so much. That was a very great discussion. I learned a lot. Hope everyone else enjoyed it as well. Thank you. Thanks so much. I'd again like to thank the participants today. Guest host Franny Helfrush, who's the technical product manager slash data product manager at RBC Global Asset Management and guest of episode 230, who facilitated again a discussion with Ala Hale, who's the senior data product manager of digital capabilities at Ecolab and guest of episode 122, and Jill Maffeo, Senior Data Product Manager at Vista and guest of episode 151. As per usual, all guests were only reflecting their own views. You can find a link to their respective LinkedIn's in the show notes as per usual. Thank you. Panels really are my favorite. And no, it's not just because I don't have to do the hard work. I, I swear. They give you a chance to hear from folks entirely devoid of my own views, which I think is crucial in our learning journey to figure out how to do data mesh well. Hopefully this one was super useful for you. Please do consider getting in touch with guests from the show. Almost all guests have said that they'd really love people to reach out. Data Mesh Radio is again provided by Data Mesh Understanding and is produced and usually hosted by, you know, except for these panels, by me, Scott Herleman. Do check out our website, datameshunderstanding.com, for more information. 
think you'll be pleasantly surprised by our offerings and some of the free programs out there. I hope you have a great rest of your day. And with that, let's hear that funky outro music. Thank <laughs> you.